With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. While your KSU gurus are doing game previews, you boneheads sit, bruise, and ride on your ski-doos, those Boscos work hard for the team they adore. While they interview cats about their buzzer beaters, y'all fend off mosquitoes and sip lima readers. Those Boscos want to give the fans a little more. Sometimes we just want to riff and give our fans a little gift and not have to worry about what we're going to say. Bonehead Mama and Bonehead Paul, we got love for all of y'all. So come on down, it's Free Play Friday. Ooh, Bosco's Boys. Well, come on, boys. The boys are back, but, but again, it's just me. I'm giving Grant enough time to recover from COVID, even though we're doing this via Zoom. So I thought, you know, at this point in the season, there isn't a better time to check back in with probably – out of everyone who I've gotten to call either a friend or acquaintance since this podcast started, probably my favorite one, it's the man, the myth, Brian Smaller. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. I'm, I'm, I love getting to know you and uh, love your guys' podcast. I've said it before. I don't listen to many, don't listen to really any, except your guys. Um, we had, we, we've had fun in the office being able to hear a couple of our great staff members get profiled on your show the last couple of weeks and uh, look forward to hearing what you guys have each time. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's a testament to you, uh, especially because there's a ton of great people who work at KSAG and we're, we're trying to highlight some of them. We, we had Emily and, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, uh, Ezern, sorry, I, I was blanking on. Co- I don't know why I blanked on Cody's name. I talked to him all the time, but we had Emily and Cody on, and both of them mentioned you and kind of their journey into KSA Athletics. So I, I, you're not an ego guy, but I'm going to pump up your head. I think what you've been able to do, and it's not just you, but specifically you have been able to foster all this young talent inside the college sports industry. I think that uh, that's another thing that you probably don't get enough public credit for, but I'm going to give it to you right here. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, humbled by that. Um, no, we just we look for good people. We're lucky here. Uh, a lot of people that are graduates of K State love being here and love doing whatever they can to help university great and and grow. And it's uh, we've been very blessed, no doubt. And consider myself very lucky to work around such great talented people. Definitely. And then I also am going to give you one one more plug. There's only one more home game, but anyone who hasn't been watching K State game day before the home games that again, I, this is my first year not going to games, but one small plus side is being able to see what you and your team have been doing before the games. Anyone who isn't watching, I think you're missing out on some great coverage right in the lead up to the home games. Yeah, we have a lot of fun now. It's not quite as uh, dynamic of a, of a crew this year as we've had in years past. You know, Bridget was such a great part of that moving on, but then uh, just being able, because of COVID, re- relegating us to one co-host each week, you miss some of the interaction we have each time with, uh, especially Reggie being involved and then, um, you know, Travis and Ian at the same time. And so, 
Um, all the guys have been great and being able to navigate through um, some of the hurdles there. But um, yeah, I, again, a lot of people behind the scenes that work hard to make sure that that thing comes off the right way. And then having fun with the in-game updates as well and taking shots when we can and trying to be professional about it. Uh, but uh, you, you know that I'm, I'm and those game score updates uh, during the football game for fans that are in the stadium, if, if Nebraska's losing or, or Texas A&M or Colorado, that for sure is going to get shown. That, that for sure is going to get thrown up there. Um, potentially also the school that's down the road um, that has a, a fake bird as a mascot. Also, those highlights would quickly go up there. But anyway, we have some fun. I love it. I can't wait to get back from the stadium next year and see those highlights. We're going to jump into them, but again, anyone who's listening, they know that Bet Online is our exclusive online wagering partner. If you use promo code Armchair, you're going to get all sorts of great bonuses if you're into that type of stuff. So get over to Bet Online today and remember to use promo code Armchair. They're our exclusive online wagering expert. So going all the way back to the last time I had you on, it was the Blitz Week feature, and everyone who came on had to give a young guy to really focus on. You out of everyone probably were the highest on Deuce Vaughn. Do you want to take a bit of a victory lap, you know, calling out the instant impact that Deuce was going to be able to make? Well, I, I will only say that I only went off of that based on the amount of love the coaches had. I will say this. I, you, you get around coaches for a while. I've been doing this, you know, a little over 20 years now. I'm just doing sports in general and being around coaches. And, and after a while, you can pick up real quick which coaches are ones that are pro, um, hype, hype men, so to speak, that they, they're really all about. They're just going to promote all their players, and they use a lot of superlatives in describing their players, which is fine, perfectly fine and okay. But you kind of have to read through that to determine – okay, is this player really going to be great or are they just trying to give them kind of a boost and, and kind of affirmation to the media? Then there are other coaches that Bill Snyder would come to mind that rarely, if ever, provide effusive praise of anyone. And if they do, you take note. The thing I've noticed about Chris Kleiman and his staff is that when they give praise to a guy and if they say, hey, this guy is a dude, they're usually pretty genuine about it and they're usually pretty honest about it. So they were talking behind the scenes and publicly about Deuce Vaughn early on that, hey, this guy is terrorizing our, our first string defense in practice. And knowing I was pretty big on Khalid Duke as well, and knowing how good the defensive line was going to be and hearing that he was just making and Justin Hughes and all these guys were saying, this guy just makes us look silly. You kind of stand up and take notice of that. So I guess I don't know if I, I necessarily was an expert on anything other than I just picked up on something that I, Seemed like it was a pretty safe bet that this kid was going to be a, was going to be something big. I don't think I would have ever predicted he had the, the season that he's had to this point, um, other than just for a lack of other competitors on the freshman on the side of that ball. I, it seemed like he was the safe bet. Definitely. So, looking at you know K State football since Chris Kleiman came in, you know he's had two game losing streaks followed by winning streaks or winning streaks, then two game win and then more winning streaks. Is there anything that fans or even you take away from kind of the streaky nature? Is that just kind of a coincidence that, you know, there's been, you know, streaks associated with the climbing era? Well, I'll defer here. I thought um, our, our friend and, and future K-State tight end, Kellis Robinette had a great answer to the question. When it was asked in his mailbag and that was about scheduling I, I think if anything it's just been a quirk of the scheduling I, I don't think there's a whole lot you can take from that um other than 
you know, you play, you're at the mercy of whatever team comes next in the schedule, and you're at the mercy of some uncontrolled factors, right? Injuries this year, COVID, contact tracing, all those things. And it can kind of limit you in, in what you want to do as far as who you play when. So, I mean, at any point in time, you list Kansas after one of those losses, and the streak would have ended, right? So I, I think it's a little bit of a factor of that. There, there probably is something to be said that I think his team showed last year they got better as they got around each other and played a little bit more. I think that would be the same this year. But obviously losing Skyler will be impact of this team. So I think they're trying to find their feet underneath them. And some of that growth that you would have normally seen has been impacted by COVID and contact tracing. But that's not necessarily new to any team. But when you're relatively young and trying to build up what you want with your players, it's harder to kind of get sustained success at those positions because you're not getting sustained development at those positions to practice. So uh, we'll see how it plays out here in the next week. Hopefully, Cats can get healthy and get ready to go for Iowa State. Yeah, speaking of Iowa State, we're still a bit out from this. This will publish on, uh, you know, the Friday of the bye week. So we're about uh, eight days out. It's the biggest game on, you know, the, the schedule for Boneheads. Everyone knows our uh, little online war with Cyclone fans, uh, the Grant and I and some of our Ilkaz. But, you know, what, what does K-State have to do to keep the upper hand that they've really held over the Cyclones for the better part of three decades? I'll say that, by the way, I, there is nothing more entertaining than Iowa State week when it comes to you guys, uh, John Kurtz, some of the others that are pretty vocal on social media about their um, affection for Iowa State fans and Iowa State. So that, that stuff's always been pretty enjoyable to watch from afar on, on observing. Uh, I don't – you know – when it comes to Iowa State, listen, I think offensively they're very solid. They, they are – and looking at them, they, they're obviously Brees Hall is the beginning and end of that. They do have some other talent. They have a remarkably deep tight end sort of H-back position that they utilize quite a bit. They're not as dynamic at the wide out position that they may have been in the past when Lazard was there and some others. But um, they are certainly a team that offensively can cause you some issues if you're not great against the run. And then the second half of that – is that defensively they mix schemes a lot. They can play three down linemen. They've done that for much of the year, but they also can go with four if needed. They've, they've had remarkable amount of consistency on the defensive side. They haven't really lost anybody uh, that's missed a start. You go through their starting lineup, all those guys have pretty much played all year long. The only weakness is special teams for them that they've been a little up and down. You know, they've had a couple of kicks blocked. They've had some pump blocks. They've given up some returns. So, and not even from Louisiana on, you know, they've had some issues with that since then. So if K-State's to be successful, uh, you know, watching the Baylor game, I think K-State's going to have to maintain offensively a, a better job of, of, of scoring in the red zone touchdowns. You know, that's been a concern here lately. They've been able to move the ball, get themselves down inside of the 20, but not been able to punch it in. Going to have to find a way to score touchdowns. I teams will have to come up big. Defense, uh, you got to stop Brees Hall. You've got to limit the run, force Brock Purdy to beat you, and see what happens at that point. I, I certainly don't think it's a, it's a non-winnable game. I, I don't think it's a game where you say K-State's not going to find – you know, if they can't beat Oklahoma State, or if they can play with Oklahoma State, they certainly can play with Iowa State. If you can go on the road and beat Oklahoma, I know it was with Skyler, but – this team has the talent to do it. You would hope that Bradley Moore is back. We'll see. Um, but that the pieces are there for K-State to pull this off. They, I know in that room they believe they can do it. Now we all as fans hope they can and, and get back on the track to be in Arlington. Definitely. I went out. We're going to be in Arlington. 
I might have to change my rule about not going to games if, if we're down there, but uh, we're going to have to see. Real quick before we, we do a shift, I've had this campaign for a while. I'm going to bring it up to you. I think Farmageddon needs a trophy. I've seen some floating out there, but I think we need to go weird with it. I think that Farmageddon should be the game for the golden pecan pie because it's typically closer to Thanksgiving. It's in the fall. Uh, I like that reaction. I think I brought it up to Gene the first time we had him on the show uh, close to three years ago. He wasn't as receptive to it, but I think based on your reaction, you'd be all for it. Uh, I, hey, I think it's probably safer than the other trophies that I've seen out there. I, you know, if it's Farmageddon, certainly something uh, farm-related seems to make sense. But I don't know if, like, a, a golden shovel is necessarily the greatest idea. If you don't want somebody swinging a big spade around out there on the field and, um, you know, a tractor, that, that seems like something that could be broken pretty easy. Um, you know, funny story, a number of years ago, uh, the Sunflower Showdown, the Governor's Cup, we were – uh, this would have been, boy, 15 years ago or so, myself. And uh, I'm going to out him right here on this podcast. Uh, Ryan Lackey uh, was just an intern at the time. He is now the uh, assistant athletic director for communications here for K-State and oversees our staff right under Kenny Lanou. But uh, Ryan, we were loading up the Governor's Cup trophy into a car and take it over to Lawrence for a K-State KU game, and he dropped it and it broke. And the trophy, I mean, the look of horror on his face and all of us, uh, it was a uh, – you know, a heart-stopping moment because we just thought, oh, no, and they're going to sell this trophy, and we just broke it. Um, so I don't like trophies that have little pieces that could break. So if a pecan pie, that's, something, that's a solid circle. It doesn't sound like anything that's going to break. So I, I could be convinced of that, I suppose. Yeah, the, the best college football rivalry trophies are weird. So, so that, that's why I've been trying to cha champion that for a while. But we'll move on. And th this is why I love having you on, because I don't think there's anyone in the world who can talk the full gamut of K-State sports like you can. So let's shift into soccer. Brooklyn Nets has been on a hot streak this season. Uh, the team is only two and six. But I feel like this season, at least when I've watched them on ESPN+, Plus that they've taken a massive step. You know, you have the two big wins over, I would say, Oklahoma. They took the eventual conference champions in TCU to the overtime. They had a tight loss. I think they should have had a win versus a nationally relevant KU team. Um, am I wrong in thinking that this really is a season that they are going to be able to build on and really take a, another big leap in 2021? Well, I certainly hope so. I, I think they hope so as well. Now, you know, they have 10 seniors. So the, the hard part of that is you're going to lose some kids to graduation. And even though this is a, a year that all fall sports have been granted an extra, extra year of eligibility, especially on the women's sports side of things for fans that don't know, it's a lot harder, I think, to convince uh, female sports athletes to come back only because not all of them this isn't a global statement, but not all of them are in it just for the athletic competition. Some are, a good portion of them are, and some of them are very competitive, but that's much more prevalent on the, on the men's side. You don't see as many men's players only in it for the degree or looking towards life after college in that regard. On the female side, you seem to run into some exceptionally brilliant people that are also thinking about school and where they're going for grad school. And to that end, when you start thinking about next year, does Brooklyn Nets come back? Does Silke Bonin, who's an international, go back home and get convinced to stay home? There, there are a lot more question marks when it comes to the team next season, how to build off of what they have this year. So without knowing any of that, hopefully that's the case. I think Ens has played her way into a yet another all-conference honor. Five goals this year, 
I agree with you. I think they should have won the TCU match for sure. Could have won the Kansas match. Um, both matches, they were leading late, but just couldn't find a way to pull it off. Uh, but terribly, they are, they have, they had to take that next step to learn how to win. And they finally have crossed that threshold now. And it'll be very curious to see where they go from now. Cause I think the culture was the hardest thing. Mike Davini talked about it a lot that they had finally switched from being a counter team and just trying to hang on for dear life to, okay, now we're going to play through the middle and we're going to attack teams and be on our front foot and try and play on the front third and the, and the opponents uh, attack. And that wasn't working. And then, then it got, we could play with a team for 80 of 90 minutes, but couldn't quite hold it on to a win. Now they've kind of crossed that threshold. The next phase of course, is to go out there and, and try and not just make the big 12 tournament, but, but really compete in for the top half finish in the league. And if they beat Texas tech, Scott, uh, coming up this week, they'll finish in the top seven, which would have put them in the field for the big 12 championship in years past, which would have been a, a pretty significant goal. Definitely. And, and again, today, actually, as we're recording this, it is early signing day. I'm not going to pretend that I know a, a ton about women's prep soccer, uh, but when you see the parts of the country that they are getting these commitments from, you're seeing that the accolades that these young women have achieved at high school, you, you can't help but think that they're going to continue to, like you said, learn how to win and take that next step. But you mentioned it. We have this final game versus Texas Tech. Uh, it's on uh, the 13th, so on release day as folks are listening. What would you say is the biggest key for them to try to get that third victory and then have a program high finish in the Big 12? Well, I think scoring has always been a challenge for K-State in years past. Kyler Goins being up front with Entz, Entz at the 10 and Goins at the 9 has really helped solidify the attack for K-State. They can continue to play as well defensively in their back line as they've been playing with Years, Turner, Bonin, and Crane kind of solidifying that back group with a true freshman goalkeeper. They, they can get the ball in the front and really attack teams. Uh, Texas Tech has been a little bit up and down. They're the defending conference champs, but they've had some injuries. They've had some COVID issues. Their goalkeeper is very good, but their defense has been at times a little lax. So they, uh, their offensive attack has, has been limited, but they, they at times will try and pack it in on you. And if K-State can break that down, utilize – it's supposed to be pretty windy this week. If the wind uh, was such a huge factor against TCU, if that can be another – where you're hitting – goals from 20, 30 yards out, then all of a sudden things change pretty fast. So I like K-State's chances in the match, but you still got to go out and do it. You still got to do it against a team that is uh, traditionally very, very good. Definitely. So before we move on, got to pay the bills one more time. Manscaped.com promo code armchair. Again, I, I can't speak to it enough. Probably for Christmas, I'm going to have to get you a pair of their boxer briefs. I'll need your size off air. But they're the best boxer briefs in the world. And, again, I took a shower today. I used their body wash. Folks, if you don't want a nose hair trimmer or a body hair trimmer, I promise you they have even more amazing products over there. If you use promo code armchair, you're going to get 20% off. You're going to get free shipping. If you send me the receipt, I'll send you a Christmas card. And a Bosco's Boys koozie. I think Brian has quite a few koozies. And I think he's on the Christmas card list as well. And, and again, you, you know, I, I tell you what, you, from, from the neck up, you've always been the most groomed guy I've ever seen on KSATEHD.TV or ESPN+. Plus. I'm just saying, if you want to be as well groomed below the neck, get over to Manscaped. Yeah, I'll talk to the wife. 
<laughs> yes, have her send me your information. I'll send, I'll send you a gift. And then also bet online promo code armchair for your welcome bonus. I don't know if K-State volleyball or soccer is on bet online, but guess what? All sorts of college football folks would stop getting COVID. It's over there. You, you know, with Maction back, you're having games on Tuesday, Wednesday. There's Thursday games, Friday games, literally so much football. There's never been a more fun time to be over at bet online promo code armchair over there. Okay. So the last time you and I talked, I think I was on the bullish side of the volleyball team. And I think I've been vindicated to a point, but I'd be lying if I said that I expected them to be this good. I didn't, not only did I not expect them to be, you know, I think they're currently third or fourth in the big 12, but I didn't think the two next big stars of big 12 volleyball were going to be Aaliyah Carter and Jaden Nembard. How, first off, how impressive have those two freshmen been? Because I feel like one of them is getting rookie of the week almost every week in the Big 12. And then how impressive has the team as a whole been so far this year? Well, they have far exceeded my expectations. And they were um, not as bullish as yours. But I think part of that was just due to the strength of the conference and how much of a struggle it was last year and how many pieces they lost. You really didn't know. You didn't know what to expect with all these young kids. Now, it's back-to-back top 25 recruiting classes for them. So there was obviously optimism, and even in the camp. But it's funny, I, we're doing the, we have TCU this week in town, and we're doing the games on Big 12 now. And I spent some time talking with the coaches about, all right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty on this freshman class. Because Carter, the first time that I saw Carter in person against Iowa State, and I shouldn't say I, we, you know, uh, Myself and, and Kelsey Stringer, who did the match at the time, former uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Chipman, mm-hmm. and, uh, Liz Wagner-Bush, who does the matches now. We, we watch Carter, and it, you, you only have to watch a couple of sets. And if you, yes, you see the, the dynamic skill that she has on the outside. But we call it shot variation. Her ability to change shots uh, from play to play, even in the same rally, like even in the same amount of time the ball's bouncing over the net, just from different swing to swing, she's changing up her shot based on recognition of the block. That's something that takes years to learn, and she's doing it at 18. It's, just, it's, it's out of this world good. And her athleticism plus her, her shot knowledge has put her in another level. And, and talking with the coaches today, the first thing, or the, this week I said, how did you – how did she get out of Iowa? Like, how did, how did anybody not recruit this young lady? And they said, there, well, there were some late movement on her, but, you know, not enough. And we kind of, we were, you know, hanging on for dear life, thinking we really wanted her, thought we could, and we felt like she could be a pretty big star. The one, though, that I think they were surprised with was Jaden Emhart. I, I, Jaden came out of Texas, was not recruited hardly by anybody, and they were, they were excited. K-State thought about, her potential down the road of being somebody that could really help them. But even during the fall part of practice, I think they were thinking Nemhard might redshirt. And then she's pressed into service at West Virginia because Carlson's out with an injury and Nemhart rips off 43 kills in two matches. And then the other night gets uh, now big 12 rookie of the week again this week. Unbelievable. Uh, both have been out of this world. Good. And they have picked it up very quickly. Uh, I think it's a credit to the coaching staff. I think it's a credit to Shelby Martin, the setter. Uh, bringing in a veteran presence there has helped to uh, solidify that a little bit with shot distribution. Uh, Katie Fernholz, the middle from Can- uh, South Dakota, has developed at a higher rate than I think they thought. And then Mackenzie Morris, another freshman, is the libero, has really also developed at a higher rate than they thought. Uh, all four of those kids were kids that they thought maybe we could get half playing time out of this year, maybe not, and they far exceeded 
what they thought. And uh, a lot of credit to those kids who are coming in with the right mindset and the right desire, willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to adapt and just go about your business and work hard. And it's, it's the K-State way, right? I mean, it's, it's bring them in, develop them, make them good. And a lot of it is, it's a two-way street. It's not just coaching. You got to have kids, uh, kids that are receptive to coaching and want to get better and want to be great. And those kids do it. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to watch right now, no doubt. Future looks really bright for K-State. And I know they're super excited about the kids they signed on signing day as well. Yeah, and again, you mentioned so many of those young names and how they're already outperforming. How, I mean, I, I'm just excited to see them competing night in, night out in one of the best volleyball conferences in the country. And granted, you know, they're up to rank 10. And again, not everyone's playing. I understand it. But you're just about as close as almost anyone. How exciting has it been for you just to see them make that jump from, you know, what was a kind of disappointing year last year to, you know, if it's a regular year, they're a definite NCAA tournament team. Yeah, no doubt. And then this year with the NCAA tournament being compressed down to a lower number of teams coming up in the spring, now they're kind of on the bubble, even as ranked the nation. So these matches are incredibly important down the stretch. They have to win to find a way to, 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 kind of solidify their case even when they're not playing in the spring. But to your point, yeah, one of the first – when I first started doing games for K-State back in 1999 and, and 98, I, I was doing volleyball and baseball. That was my gig for a couple of years. And so I grew up on on volleyball, so to speak, uh, cut my teeth on how to broadcast that sport. And so it's been it's been fun this week to, to kind of be uh, young again, so to speak, talking with the coaches, just getting excited. I remember texting uh, – Susie, after the first night, the first Iowa State match, and, and was just like, I, I, I probably just sent her 12 texts, like, after the match. Like, Suze, I can't imagine. This is unbelievable. Like, we're, how did you find these kids? They're, they're going to be a superstar, just on and on and on. I'm sure she was tired of hearing from me. Uh, but it was fun to trade texts back with her and then talk with the coaches that we've known for a long time because the last couple of years have been hard and, and uh, difficult to try and, you know, you're, you're – you're almost playing psychology and trying to, hey, it'll be all right. We'll get through it. It's just fun to be able to be, you know, winning's fun, man. And it's, uh, it's fun to be around them right now. Yeah, so you, you mentioned that Iowa State game, and you, you can't get caught up in the what-ifs. It's not just in volleyball, but any sport. But I do find myself wishing they could get that fifth set back versus Iowa State in, in the opener and then that fifth set versus Texas at home. They'd be sitting at 10-2 and two and possibly competing for the conference title this year, but they've made such a big jump from last year to this year. You know, is it crazy to think that they can make another big jump to next year and maybe start being in the conversation of competing for the conference title? Yeah, I, I, I certainly would think so. Um, you know, depth uh, is there for this team. And Libero will be a spot that you'll have to watch. Um, you know, they've got four kids there right now that are all not seniors, so that's good. But in two years, they'll start to graduate some of those kids that have really played so well defensively, digging and passing and, and serve receive. Uh, that'll be kind of the key to can you kind of keep your, your uh, continuity there. But that's not to say that Nemhard and Carter, this is getting a little technical here, couldn't be six rotation players. Now, in volleyball, most of the great outside hitters, and we'll see uh, – mm -hmm in a week or two at Baylor. Yasiana Presley is one of the best in the nation uh, when it comes to an outside hitter. But she doesn't play all six rotations all the time. She's so physical at the net. Um, same for Texas. Some, you know, some of their outsides don't play all the time. They rotate in the, uh, faster into that back row. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of work. It's tiring. 
will serve you as a, as a hitter and get you out of rhythm and get you tired so you're not jumping as high on the outside and it can really tax you, in a, especially as the match goes on longer. So we'll see how that plays out. But for right now, I think Carter and Nemhard could be those type of players. Katie Fernholz is already doing it to a certain degree as a middle, which is really unheard of, especially as a freshman. Um, so they may not need that many uh, liberos down the road. But yes, the future is very, very bright. You lose Shelby Martin, but I think they love Tayana um, Adams Kaanoe, the backup setter, and who has been the starter to begin the year, but has kind of been sidelined with a hand injury. Um, I think a lot of those struggles you talked about, Iowa State and Texas was just hadn't quite figured it all out yet. You know, your young kids, you know, if you play them now, maybe it's a different story. Um, we'll find out. Uh, going to Baylor will be an interesting test. It's it's very difficult matchup for K-State. Um, you know, if, if everybody's 100%, no COVID, no contact tracing, no injuries, you're going to see two outside hitters just lining it up and smacking each other. I mean, it is going to be a brutal war on the outside between Presley, Carter, Nemhard, those, those girls. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I had right here, you know, there's four games left on the schedule. Of course, the two with Baylor and the two with TCU. Uh, you mentioned to be looking for those outside hitters. Is there anything else that the Bonehead should be looking at when they get on uh, Big 12 now and watch those final four games? Uh, TCU has been real banged up. They haven't um, – COVID has really decimated them. They haven't played since October 16th. So, really, it's more of an unknown with TCU. It might be a little bit of adjustment on the fly for K-State in the matches. I'm curious to see how K-State responds from going on the road to Texas Tech and really getting pushed. So far, a lot of the close matches they've had this year have been when there have been unknowns. Uh, team due to COVID throws in a new setter. They have, they change their formation, so to speak. They run with a two-setter system instead of one. So you really don't know what to expect from TCU in that regard. So um, it'll be curious to see if TCU, who does have some weapons, especially on the left side with Julia Adams, if, if they really pose a problem or if K-State just lines up and we see some of the same dominant stuff on the left that we've seen before. All right. I got, I got three more questions before we get out of here. Cause I want to hit, you know, some of the remaining, uh, you know, team sports uh, baseball wrapped up some of their fall practices. And I, I got, I don't know who is in charge of social media for the baseball team, but man, I enjoy seeing what they put out there, but what sort of uh, what, if anything, did you hear from fall practices? I don't know if you're able to get out there at all, but uh, what are you hearing? And I, I know how, crush you were for for that team not to get out there and compete in the spring but what, what should fans be looking forward to uh you know for this upcoming spring well I, I think they are still very high on their pitching coming out of the fall looking ahead to the spring I haven't spent much time over there didn't get as much time over there just with uh, our fall seasons in season as it is but just in the brief time to the visit with coach Hughes and other people from the baseball team, I think all things pointing towards they will have the best pitching staff they've ever had in the history of K-State. And uh, not just the weekend rotation, but just depth in, in the pitching and arms, uh, major league talent arms that, that have been never before stepped on the mound like this in Manhattan, Kansas. So it'll, it'll be a special year in that regard. Offense then will be the biggest question. Can they match it? Can they compete with some of the other teams in the Big 12? Um, I think uh, they have some people there that can certainly – provide a, some punch offensively. They've got some new faces and transfers in that could help out. You don't know until the ball is actually thrown and we're playing baseball to know for sure. One guy that I think fans should watch is Dylan Phillips. He's a kid from Omaha, was a highly touted kid coming out of Omaha and played a lot as a freshman, also pitched. 
and he has just taken large steps forward. I just this kid is a, a superstar in the making. I think I just he just carries himself the right way. Really a humble, quiet kid, but uber talented. Uber talented, two way player. Um, really like him a lot. Um, left fielder, first baseman, pitcher, can really do anything uh, on the power, speed. He's got it all. Dylan Phillips, I think, will be the guy that K State will be counting on to kind of carry them uh, offensively. Him and Zach Kakoska will be the big two. And you got senior Cam Thompson back as well. So there are some pieces there, but I'm super excited. Hopefully, they get to play all 56 games. That'll be the biggest thing, right? Once, uh, yeah. hopefully, in the next few months. Definitely. So final two, we'll touch on both basketball teams real quick. Men's basketball are going to be tipping off soon. So will women's basketball. Uh, Bruce Weber and his team not getting much love in the preseason polls or recognition, which, uh, you know, as much as I like to put a chip on my shoulder, I, I get it. I understand it. But, uh, you know, some of the whispers I've personally been hearing, and I'm sure you're hearing it too. I, I think, you know, fans shouldn't be too surprised if, if they pull a couple upsets and some eyebrows are raised when it comes to this men's basketball team. Uh, what do you think they might be able to do as, you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, spoiler in the Big 12 this year? I like that word. I, I, these type of seasons can be tough, but they also can be a lot of fun if you look at them in the right lens. And, and to me, as the K-State grad and, and, and looking at K-State basketball and hoops with such a, a great reverence and affinity and love for the, even the Bruce Weber and Frank Martin and Bob Huggins years and then on beyond the individuals that played before that, even to the, the greats, right, right back in the apartment techs and all that stuff years. I, I would say this is that this team has unbelievable athleticism. I mean, they are just bringing out guys that are athletes all over the, all over the floor. I don't know that they all know where they're supposed to be all the time, but sometimes that can be fun, right? I mean, sometimes you're going to hit a night where we're going to watch these guys play and we're going to think this team is going to be a final four team next year, right? We're going to have that thought. They're just going to look unbelievably dominant at times. Then there's going to be other times when they're going to look completely and utterly lost. And we're going to think these guys, they might as well all just pack it up and, and not play the season. Seasons like this, it'll be a require a lot of patience from us as fans and just understand there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be high points and low points, but you got to look through the lens of development. And when you look through the development through the years of Bruce Weber, he's always done a great job with his staff of developing guys. And I think they got a staff they love with Shane Southwell and Chris and the whole rest of the guys, Jermaine, uh, and then, of course, Coach uh, Weber. I, I think uh, the sky is the limit for this team, and, and they will get there. It'll just take them a little bit longer, and they, may, they will pull off some upsets. And there will be moments, I'm telling you, where it will be a lot of fun, where it will be some high-flying stuff, and it's, you're going to be spinning trying to think of how many different guys look great in this one game because they have a lot of depth, and that hasn't always been the case. Yeah, I, I would just say stay off Twitter on the nights where it's the opposite of that. Uh, That's right. I, I, luckily, I, I've graduated from being part of that uh, crew, but it is still out there. But uh, finally, I, I, I just want to touch on how excited I am for Jeff Mitty and his team. I was on uh, Settling the Score with Student Radio 91.9 with Colin Settle, and I, I made a prediction that within uh, – I starting this season, within the next three seasons – they're going to win the Big 12. And, and, again, maybe I'm being a little bullish, but I, I'm just so excited to see the team he continues to put in. Recruiting class over every recruiting class, I feel like they just keep getting more talented and deeper. And then Aoka Lee, uh, she's back on this team. How excited are you to see 
her specifically in the entire squad tip off here. I guess it'd probably be next week from when the folks are listening to this or a week and a half. So it's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, pretty quick. Um, I am very excited to watch them, no doubt. I, 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 Lee's on the cusp of, of being one of the best, not just players in the conference, but players in the country. Uh, I think she's the best center. Uh, you know, we're biased, but I think she's the best center in the nation without a doubt. Challenge will be a little different for her now. Um, you know, K-State ran a lot of offense through Peyton Williams last year. She was such a great passer at the, at the four. Uh, now you're going to ask Ioka to be that person. You know, sometimes the ball's going to go in. She's got to make the right pass to the next person. The, the good news is you get Rachel Renke back as an outside shooter. You pair her up with Chrissy Carr. You got two great weapons. Sydney Goodson comes in, an experienced, good shooter, solid point guard um, from Texas Tech um, that had just finished a, a career there. So I think she helps out solidify the point position. They've got, they bring back a lot of people, Savvy Simmons and, and some others from injury that can help out. They're very deep. They, they're athletic. I think they really like the 6'6 the freshman, Taylor Lauterbach, who comes from Wisconsin, to sometimes pair with Lee, which would make for an imposing front line for teams to deal with. Um, but more of the other times uh, coming in as her relief. And I know they're super excited about their signing class. They just signed a couple of big-time scorers out of Missouri. Um, got away from some other power five uh, high profile programs a couple of top 100 kids uh in their signing class so yes now i don't championship you know baylor would have something to say about that um you know you pretty much got uconn in this league that's that's a pretty large statement i don't, I don't know if i'm gonna go out that far but um hey listen they're they're picked in the top five right now i, I certainly think they are capable of finishing in the top three top two things break right um and give everybody a run for their money. It's going to be hard, no doubt, for everybody to match with what K-State's got, assuming everyone stays healthy, right? That's the, uh, the asterisk we put on everything. Yeah, definitely. And for the record, I didn't predict it this year. I said it's starting this year. There's a three-year window. It's going to happen. Uh, mark it down. When it happens, I think I should be able to come down the court and cut off a little piece of the net. So uh, <laughs> t talk to Jeff. I'm going to have to get him on. I'm going to have to get Jeff Mitty on the show. Uh, oh, so man. I'm gonna tell you. Listen, Jeff Mitty is a great interview. There is not a guy there. There is not a guy that that I have longer conversations with about nothing related to basketball than Jeff Mitty. He's got so many opinions on so many different things. He he's a fascinating interview. When it, if you can get him rolling on some other things, he first of all, he's got some great stories about once interning for the Royals. He he's a huge Royals fan. Loves the Chiefs. Loves hot stove baseball talk. Um, he knows everybody. He's got great Billy Tubb stories from the coaching at TCU. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to hear some of the stuff that he talks about. He's a funny guy, but yeah, great interview. If you guys ever want to bring me in house to do a anything but the sport podcast where you just <laughs> – uh, you guys can publish it under your own banner. I'll, I'll be willing to do that. That said, I'm sure you have uh, plenty of folks who could – do it uh, better than me who are already in house, but that's all I had for you. Again, I, I love bringing you on and going through the entire car wash of it. I think, uh, you know, in, in the winter, right, as we're ramping up for uh, baseball and to talk about a little bit more about the uh, women's basketball team and possibly even K-State volleyball in the NCAA tournament, we'll have to get you on again. But as always, I'll give you the platform. You tell the boneheads anything you'd like to. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for hanging in there with us. You know, the, uh, from K-State Athletics, it's been a, it's a tough year. It's not fun to 
do events and not have full houses. And, you know, there are moments where it feels perfectly normal. I was telling uh, someone this the other day, you know, prior to a football game, there are moments you look around and you're like, oh, it's just like any other game. And then the game starts, so there's a, a big play, and you immediately realize it's not. And a lot of it's because you don't have uh, thousands of your family members there. So it will be the same for basketball. It will have to adjust it and be ready to fly on the you know, do what we have to do uh, based on um, health officials and, and what is put in place. We'll just do our best to get through it and somehow progress and get to the sun will come back up and the temperatures will warm back up come spring. The vaccine will be out and we'll be back uh, hopefully to normal by next year. So bear with us. Stay tuned. Keep listening to the podcast of uh, Scott and Grant. And we'll see you on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Definitely. Thanks again for coming on. And again, uh, you know, next time you talk with Gene, just say, hey, I think it might be time to bring back Bosco the dog. I told, I told Cody the next time he talks to him, just bring it up. I, I think it's time. I, I, I really think it's time that Bosco the dog comes back. And, uh, you know, if you need to drop him the history of Bosco the dog episode into his email inbox, you, you know what, he'd probably be more receptive to you doing it than me. So I, th yeah. I think it needs to happen. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more sure on the pecan pie than I am on Bosco. Uh, that breaks my heart, but I understand. So, <laughs> uh, Boneheads, I hope you have a great Friday. If you're not following Brian Smaller, make sure you're following him on Twitter. We'll have him tagged in the tweet. Make sure you're you know, subscribed to ESPN Plus so you can see all the great K-State uh, teams performing. And, and again, that's, that's where I get Brian at his best. Nothing is better than Brian Smaller after a big K-State play. Uh, it doesn't matter the sport. So hope everyone has a good rest of your Friday. We love you guys. Meet Grant the Cathead and uh, just stay safe out there. We are dealing with modern mythology. Let's find out what the clue is. Here we go, gentlemen. A purported image of this subject of legend was published in the Daily Mail newspaper on April 21st, 1934. 30 seconds. Good luck. in the clue because 60 years later the photograph was revealed to be a hoax. We start with you, Asim, at 4200 in third place, and you wrote down the correct response. What is the Loch Ness monster? Nessie. And you will add how much money? $41.99. All right, that jumps you up to $83.99. You have to hope that both Ryan and Tim are incorrect with their responses. Let's go to Ryan. Nope, he's right. So he adds 1515. So he's in the lead for the moment with 18,515. Tim, over to you now. 18,000 going into final. A correct response and a wager. Hello, 17,000. A big payday to end the week. $35,000 for this young man. And he gets to play again next week. He's smiling. He's smiling, believe me. We'll see you all on Monday. Podcast Network.